and welcome to another episode of the Digital Access Show. Today's guest I've known for a number of years. Originally, he was brought in to help me stay at where I was working and to ensure I was able to keep working. I always laugh and say he failed and he always laughs, gives me, stirs me back. And since then, we've become good friends and he's been one of the people that has helped me on my journey to being independent. So I'd like to introduce you all to Mark Musket from Digital Access Solutions. Hi, Mark. Hello, Noel. Hello, everyone. Mark, can you tell me a bit about yourself? I know that you're not originally a Queenslander. No. I was born in Melbourne in the early 70s, um, and I uh, lived in Victoria until about 21 years ago when I moved to Queensland. God's um, country. What's that? God's country. God's country, yeah. Um, and um, I did all my schooling and I worked in Melbourne and, um, and when I finished my postgraduate degree, I thought I'd move up to Queensland to start afresh like some people do. Um, and um, yeah, and it's sort of worked since I've stayed in here in Queensland and haven't really looked back at all. Mark, I know this is a common question, but I'm going to ask it. Mark, what disability do you have? Um, um, well, I, I probably have a number of disabilities, but <laughs> no, no I, um, I'm um, primarily um, totally blind. Um, I was um, unfortunate to have a rebel birth. So um, uh, somewhere down the line during um, my mother's pregnancy, um, she was in contact with um, uh, individuals with germ measles. Um, and I was um, fortunate to have the flow on effects of being blind. Um, from that and the um the condition that I have is to attach retinas and um teratoconus, which is pretty much um cornea uh, based. It's to where the cornea is um not exactly rounded, it's sort of pointed. And um that's pretty much it. But uh, functionally I don't have any vision whatsoever. I do have light perception. Um, and last year I was diagnosed with another disability, um, which is some, um, uh, ASD and, um, it's an adult spectrum disorder. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's been sort of a learning curve in that whole, almost 12 months now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, Mark, because when I met you, you, as I said at the start, you were brought on to help get me independent and keep me independent. What? So you're in the IT industry? Yep. Um, I've got my degrees in computer science. Um, and my undergrad degree was also in mathematics as well. Um, yeah, and I've worked in one way or form in computer science or IT-based roles. Yeah. And so you've done web development, 
you've done all types of development, database development. Yes, um, a lifetime ago, maybe yeah. a couple. Um, so I've been involved with, um, yeah, um, web development work mainly. Um, I started off working at Coles Mine, which is a, a large retailer. Um, look, they're no longer Coles Mine, they're actually Coles now. Um, mm -hmm. but it was a large retailer here in Australia. Um, and I worked there for four years. Um, um, and, um, yeah, I was, my first job was actually in the, um, uh, point of sales support, uh, mm -hmm. where we, we did a lot of the backroom, um, operations work where made sure that the servers were running and that, um, you know, stores were able to operate, um, and get transactions through and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was exciting because, you know, when a store had a priority one, you dropped pretty much everything and um, you all hands are all hands on deck and trying to work out what's going on. And, yeah, that was good because you got to talk to third party, um, uh, you know, people. In, if it was a telecommunications problem that was causing a priority one issue, um, but basically a priority one was when the store couldn't operate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was exciting, um, but it was also quite taxing, um, stressful, us. Yeah. Um, and um, I was I was amazed that I actually got that job. But, um, we'll talk about that later. Um, but I was I was really happy to to work for three or four years, and then I went and did a uh, postgrad, um, and that was in web technologies, um, and. Um, basically learnt um, this new thing at the time, um, yeah. which was the web, uh, which wasn't actually quite new, but um, it was certainly picking up a lot of rapid with the dot-com era, which was happening around that 99, 2000 year. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, Y2K wasn't the big, big picture of the problem at the time. Uh, most people were happy that Y2K wasn't going to happen. Um, Very much so. I remember that era. Well, I made two thousand dollars on that one night, just just being on call. So wow, made me very happy. <laughs> um, the only the only stipulation I wasn't allowed to drink on yeah. the EC, but, but which was fine. I didn't really drink a lot anyway, so yeah, it was fine. And I had to be fifteen minutes away from the office, which was also achieved. So yeah, yeah it was uh, um, an interesting New Year's Eve, ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. I'd wait for all the computers to go down. It never happened, but uh, <laughs> we all knew that was like going to be the case. Yeah. But, uh, true. Um, so, Mark, what do you actually do now? Uh well, uh, um, we um, I'm working with you and Alan um, on digital access, um, and also do um, assistive technology, um, consulting and training, um. And um, pretty much keeping in line with uh, the interests that I have, uh, which is technology, improving people's lives of visual impairment. Um, and um, yeah, pretty much um, just, uh, yeah, very keen to sort of try to get the best out of technology for blind people. Um, um, that being off the shelf products or or specialized products, which, um, yeah, I believe in sort of working out what's best fit. 
Um, so that's about it, really. Um, so how did you get into that, Mark? That's a big difference from point of sale and web development to assistive technologies. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I was... Um, I was at uni and I was asked by a friend of mine that I could start training people, you know, with the use of, you know, assistive technologies. And I was doing that for a little bit, but um, there wasn't a, I mean, at the time um, I was doing that as a voluntary um, thing because not people, you know, we didn't have the NDIS yeah. insurance scheme at the time or anything like that. I, I was doing it just to basically, um, yeah, get some experience with actually working with people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then I never really thought of really staying in assistive technology as much. I really wanted to branch off into um, the regular computer science field. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to actually get a job in um, system administration, um, which is almost what happened at Coles. Yeah. Um, and um, I, you know, so I did enjoy that, but it was very stressful. Um, and then I thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting back into programming and, and development. Um, um, so that that interested me. And so I sort of um, started, in a way, to go back and do some further studies in web technology because I thought that's where, I thought at the time where that's where the future would be. Um, so I did that. And um, I was able to work for an, a company based in Melbourne. Um, it was actually a company that was based, um, started by a group of us at uni. Um, so I worked with them for about five, six years, um, yeah. but I also did some freelance work up here in Queensland. Um, um, in in uh, web development, and then a lawyer got in touch with me and said, oh, <clears throat> um, uh, would you be interested in doing some web accessibility stuff? Um, because I've got a complaint that's going in um, uh, in the process at the moment. And I said, okay, um, and basically that led to me doing some. Um, not just testing, but some actual accessibility um, um, advice. Um, yeah. And that led to me getting a contract with Domino's Pizza, which is mm -hmm. um, quite nice to work with. They were, they were lovely people back then. Yep. Um, I met um, somebody at the um, Brisbane Web, I don't know, actually. Yeah, it was the Brisbane Web Design Group. Yeah. Yep, meetup group that I used to go to. Um, quite frequently back then, and um, and then he said, "Oh, come on board." And you know, the CIO at the time, chief um, chief information officer, not exec, chief information officer, you know, basically sat me down, said, "This is what we want," blah blah blah, and um, they so learned a lot out of that because there was a lot of negotiating with marketing and a lot mm -hmm. of talking with um, other into, uh, you know information technology people and. It sort of took me a. Uh, it took took me more to the people management type stuff, which I was a bit scared of. Yeah. Um. Not, and I sort of glad that sort of led to the diagnosis that I had last year. Mm. I've never really been 
people-oriented, but there's a good reason for that. And um, um, so basically, um, I was learning a lot. And then I, um, at the time, was trying to get back into a nine-to-five job. So my, my, um, I pretty much sold the, the business that I had um, back to NetAble in Melbourne. Uh, I pretty much turned up my clients. I kept probably one or two. Mm. Um, and um, I went to work for Vision Australia for eight years. Um, okay, yep. Which is how a, I met you. Yeah. Yes, as a assistive technology consultant and uh, trainer. Um, not trainer as such, but more consulting. Yeah. Um, and. Um, <clears throat> I um, did some panel assessing for job access. I did a fair amount of assessments for NDIS. Um, and um, yeah, um, that was that was an interesting you know, period of time. Um, and um, I decided to uh, branch off into my own and just do um, technical sort of stuff, but be um, good at what I do. Um, well at and that was the yeah. technology and then you and I were talking about accessibility and how it's been lacking and um you know that uh, we should talk to people and you know, ultimately help them with their digital access so that's, yeah. that's pretty much it in all your years obviously you're very different to me because I only lost my sight about 16 years ago we started losing it so for me getting jobs I didn't have that barrier or oh, you've got a sight impairment for you how was it particularly in the IT field did you find many challenges in picking up yeah work? I was in a university that prouded itself on doing an industrial basement year um, which I never got to do um, yeah but I certainly argued for um uh People after me, Chris Bailey, who was also went to Swinburne University after I did, certainly mm -hmm. was able to do his IVL, which is you know, which is fantastic because I think that industry industry based learning year would have been a really vital part to my you know, progress, uh, which yeah. never happened. And when Chris got to do his, um, I was ecstatic. Well, happy for him because mm. that's what we fought for. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, um, and, and basically, um, yeah, it was really hard because I was the only blind student, pretty much at every school that I went to. Oh, um, okay. Primary, secondary, and at uni, um, until probably second or third, second or third year, because I was doing a four-year degree, because mm. it was a double major. Um, so yeah, probably was the second or third year where I was joined by other blind students, um, and we formed a um, amongst other people in wheelchairs and and, and um, other disabilities. We formed a student union group called Equal Access Network. Yeah. Um, at, at Swinburne, and um, we um, uh, basically were able to. Pretty much rattle the cages and drum the drums and pretty much got things moving. But by that time, I was well and truly finished. Um, 
So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I remember they offered me to do honours and um, my marks weren't great, um, but yeah. they weren't exactly my fault that they weren't great. Um, the yeah. university was quite um, happy to, to say that I, quote unquote, had the potential to be, you know, a high mark student, which I did prove later on in my postgrad. Um, so um, it's it's funny how that works out because um, when I did my postgrad a few years later, um, everything was online. Um, it, and it was amazing in, in the late 90s and early 2000s how, so we had some very fourth, um, forward mind thinking people actually running those courses who were quite happy to put things online. Mm. Um, and um, the my marks dramatically were different to my undergrad. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So um, and now we, it's funny how you and I are now doing a TAFE course, and we've like we've not only gone back twenty odd years, but we've even gone back further than that, where you know, things are online, but they're not exactly accessible. So um, yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah it, it's frustrating. So we think, yeah, we think. <laughs> With employers, do employers see your vision or your lack of vision as a, well, how can he do the job? You've got to prove to me. And like anyone going into an interview has to prove that, yeah, they can do the job. But you would have had that extra challenge where you had to be able to say. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I think with um, employers, it's an interesting one because you've got to not only prove yourself to be able to do the job mm. based on their selection criteria, but you've also got to be able to prove that that you can overcome the barriers that your blindness springs with that. Yeah. To to actually um, achieve that, um, or achieve those tasks that are actually out um, that are part of that position description so it's it's a really hard um um uh thing to actually balance when you're actually in a job interview because you're not only trying to convey the information that you can do the job based on what your experience and and um, your skills but you also got to be mindful that you need to explain to them how you're actually able to do that position yeah. Um, as a blind person, um, yeah, where I think um, when I was working at Coles Mine, we weren't very sure how I was going to do the stuff because they were still using the old IBM um, 3270s. Um, oh, gosh. Okay, um, yep. And they'll, they'll go back to your day, uh, Muriel, I'm sure. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we, were, you know, we were interested to see whether back then um what terminal programs would work with the screen reader which was jaws four i think 4.51 or something like that yeah um so um yeah we we had to do a little bit of um experimenting playing around um uh, there was a bit of jaws scripting there for a little while um so there was there was a whole lot of factors that actually, yeah, um, were, you know, 
achieved to actually allow me to do that job. Yeah. Um, and then basically, obviously, when when I was doing the web development side of things, well, that that that, that again had a whole range of um, uh, yeah, barriers and issues that came up. Um, in particular, development environments um, using um, you know um, shell um, terminal shells and all that sort of stuff. So. But at most of that time when I was doing web development work, I was using Linux. Um, so I didn't really use a lot of Windows for that. But um, yeah, when, when I was at Vision Australia, it sort of brought me back to the reality of things because that's what people people were using Windows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's um, um, yeah, so that's where sort of had to come back to the reality of well, this is what everyone's using day to day. So um, it's a case of trying to fit in and making sure that everyone can use the stuff that they need to use uh, so they can complete their jobs. And that's what that's what my role was as a job access panel assessor. Yeah. Um, Mark, what are the challenges that you're finding today, just in your everyday life, like to do your shopping, to pay your bills? It, are things over that period since you know you've been at school and you've been in the IT industry, have you seen things improve with accessibility, or uh, I think I've, I think we're at I think we're at a very interesting crossroads where um, um, you know we have um, artificial intelligence now interpreting graphics etc. Um, and there's what I'm noticing since Apple's um, have put in their um, screen recognition mode um, in in their voiceover screen reader is that a lot of companies are not really looking at accessibility on their apps because everyone seems to be using that, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that um, um, yeah, that can be a, a resource that like, yeah, um, can drain the battery on the phone um there's a number of factors such as um networking if if it needs to use the network to actually recognize the images um that sort of yeah they're, they're factors um i'm also seeing a lot of um i i, I still see a lot more accessibility issues in travel um oh, okay mainly um accommodation bookings and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff um yeah it's um what about to get around so if you i know you travel a lot in your work how do you manage getting around finding where you've got to go you know people don't i don't think realize just how much you do travel in your work how do you do that mark well i mean they're 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 I use GPS. That's the global positioning service, um, and they're basically satellites that are up in space that allow us to orientate mm. from point A to point B, or be able to navigate through a map. Yep. Um, there are standalone devices. Um, some uh, assistive technology companies have made standalone devices. Um, there's probably only really one on the market at the moment in Australia. There's a couple. Um, mm -hmm. 
but um, I use I mainly use the second category of GPS apps, and that's based on the phone um, um, using apps. Um, yeah. And I use a number of um, uh, GPS based apps to to assist with um, not only uh, getting directions but also finding um, locations, doing some wayfinding. Okay. So what about paying bills, things like that? I know for myself, I often get frustrated because I can ask companies to send them to me via email. And I know I got another one again the other day and it's on paper. And for me, that's no good. I can't do it. What strategies do you use to handle uh, that type of issue? Well, wherever it's possible, I'll get my bills electronically. Yeah. Um, email uh, online. Um, that that's pretty much the case for me now. Most of the time, um, I can't think of any one bill that I do get now that's print. Um, most of them are definitely electronic. Yeah. So that's what I work on. But some of those, which is an interesting point, because some of those are not accessible. Um, you basically need to interpret the data when you read it. Yeah. Um, I think the worst one for me is the electricity bill that I get. It's very difficult to really work out how much I actually um, have used, uh, which is not terribly great because I can actually tell what the amount of the bill is. But um, if I wanted to break it down, I really have some you know, issues with that uh, where <laughs> um, visually it may look um, appropriate for a person to actually determine how much they've used, etc. Yeah. So yeah, there are things like that that do still happen where bills are not um, um, laid out properly and don't have the appropriate text that make it easy to understand. Yeah. Um, One of the interesting things that I've really cottoned onto recently is I use the wallet feature on my iPhone a lot now because I then know exactly how you know you get told how much the bill is going to be like at the checkout but you know if you need to go back and look at it later you can't because it's on a paper and I can't read it yeah. the what the wallet has given me the ability to quickly go in see how much I've spent say okay yep I know how mm. much I've spent for the day and you know when you're budgeting you know all of those things that everyone does in their daily life that's a nice little technology feature that works well yes yeah mark i always ask everyone for a tip at the end you being you i want two tips two tips two tips i want a tip what what tip could you give for people with challenges such as vision impairment any type of disability where they're out there looking for work what tip could you give them what's the one thing that you could give them that may help them find work give it a go um you know, if there's something that you are interested in um definitely go for it because if you don't then you won't know um, and, you know, sitting around doing nothing is not 
the way to actually achieve anything. That's really good words, wise words. Now, what about for that same person? You, I mean, there's a lot of kids and we know of children coming through school that have got blindness, vision impairment, severe vision impairment. What tip would you give them about managing life with a vision impairment so that they become a functioning, or their parents, so that they become a functioning, happy part of our society? Um. Probably just to, to accept your vision impairment, and that can be hard for some people, but to to accept it by actually doing things with it mm. and actually being involved maybe with some of the vision impaired community, you know, such as sports. I've, I've always been a sporting person ever since I was a young child, so I played mm. cricket and um, athletics, um, you know, pole ball, swish. Yeah. So there's a lot of recreational things, but also bear in mind that you also need to have a life outside vision impairment, um, where you, you know, because you will be talking to a lot of your friends who are not vision impaired. You're going to have more friends that aren't, and that, um, yeah, you could use those skills that you um, get from being around um, vision impaired. You know, sports and communities to to actually fit in um and just by accepting your vision impairment by um actually you know making it fit into what you want to do rather than you fit into it mm. um, is is the way um uh, you know that you're actually going to find benefits in your life. So yeah, um, and 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 that, and that can take any number of things, but, but um, basically, you know, if there's a barrier or an issue, talk to other vision impaired people. How did you get over that, or what's the best way to actually achieve this? Um, yeah. You'll be surprised. Um, uh, I'm, not actually... saying, I'm not going to say you're going to be able to fly planes or um, you know, yeah, um, or basically, you know. Um, 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 be uh, captain of ships, but there are people who have sailed as vision impaired people. Um, so you know, being a part of a, a crew on a sailing yacht is very, very possible. In fact, it, it can be quite beneficial in some in situations. Um, so yeah, things like that. Um, yeah, it's just working around. If you have an interest, certainly don't drop it because of your vision impairment. Just find out where it where you can fit in with that, and how you can actually be involved. Mm-hmm. And there will be people who say, "Oh no, you can't do it." No, that's that's fine. That's just their opinion. Um, but talk to other visually impaired people and say, "Oh, okay, that's what this person does." Um, I'm going to go back to that club or wherever and just say, "Yep, this is how I'm going to be able to do it. This is what I need to do it." Um, yeah. And I think that's the one thing meeting you really struck home with me in everything that I was dealing with at the time, that anything's possible. It's just the way you do it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Look, I mean, this is the vision impairments brings up challenges, but it certainly, um, you know, like um, it certainly doesn't, 
you know, preclude you from actual, you know, doing things. I mean, there are certain things you can't do, but you know, we all have to accept that. We can't drive, we can't, um, you know. But there's a lot of things people that drive can't do as well. Like mm -hmm. we yeah. have the opportunity to take a dog with us everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people that drive just don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So it's six um, of one, half dozen of the other, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's that acceptance thing too. It's, I mean, sometimes it's very hard for people to do that. And they spend all their, the rest of their lives not accepting and I think once you get over that acceptance, it's it, it's you know it, it puts a whole perspective to it. Mark, look, thanks for your time today. It's been really valuable, and even though we've been friends for a long time, I've learned a bit more about you and how you manage things. And thanks. Thanks, Noel. Hey, that's another episode of the Digital Access Show. Find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon, Apple. Subscribe, share, tell your friends about it. And if you know of someone that you think may be really good to come on the show, we'd love to hear from you. So I'm Narelle and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.